Okay, The Talking Book is a 501c3 nonprofit audio publisher of independent literature. We're in Asheville, North Carolina, and because we're a nonprofit, we depend on donations from our listeners and supporters of independent publishing. So if you want to get involved, go to thetalkingbook.org. That's thetalkingbook.org. You can join our Patreon, uh, or you can come to Asheville and hang out with us, and we can record your book. We record books for authors and publishers. We'll make your audiobook. That's what we do. Hit us up. Uh, anyway, thanks so much for your support. Here's the show. Love ya. Hi, friends. This is Chris Hartram of The Talking Book. It's been a long time since I've seen you or heard you or have talked to you, probably. Um, you might be able to hear the sound of rain on the windows because all of my real microphones and microphone stands are in the studio and I'm at my house so I'm using a, a Zoom H6 recorder and it's a nice piece of equipment but it's picking up everything so you might hear the wind, you might hear the rain you might hear my stomach uh, rumbling, I don't know but uh, nothing much has changed uh, for me except uh, my son Max is no longer in preschool during all this craziness. Uh, so we just hang out a lot. I can't really complain because a lot of people probably have it a lot worse, but uh, we're mostly just hanging out and playing Nintendo and eating hamburgers. Um, I've been trying different ways to make hamburgers and I think I finally found my hamburger. It's nothing that special. I just make them rare. I do, well, first the ground shock. The, the ground beef is 80-20, got of the 80-20. Uh, I make them rare, so they rest to medium rare. Uh, in a pan, a little olive oil, uh, four minutes each side. That's all I do, four minutes. Um, lots of caramelized onions, potato bun, pickles, mayo, mustard, ketchup. That's my burger, and everybody likes a different burger. What's your burger? Um, please write in about your favorite burger. Uh, and we'll talk about it. Maybe. We probably won't, but we should be talking about burgers more, I think, during all of this. Uh, today, I have a cool reading from Michael J. Seidlinger. The book is called Dreams of Being, and it just came out from Maudlin House. Michael J. Seidlinger is the author of Serial Killer, Dreams of Being, The Fun We've Had, and Nine Other Books. He's the co-founder of Civil Copy Mechanisms, and you can find him on Twitter, at MJ Seidlinger. It's a really cool reading, so listen and enjoy it. I first met Jira at the grand opening of a Manhattan restaurant. I don't remember the name of the place because remembering names of streets, establishments, and even people had become the least of my concerns. I've been wandering the city most weekends, when work no longer cushioned me from the loneliness nestled in every thought and gesture. People all around me, within arm's reach, a wave, a single word spoken, could be all I needed to be freed from it. A solution so plain as day, yet why did I only feel the need to actually connect with the person at night? I tried everything. When you're without any other solution, you fight the feeling by keeping on the move. You walk and walk and walk because somehow the thought that you might find something keeps the anxiety at bay. You see it chasing after, always the thought that you might see someone you know. Someone might recognize you, the entire thing crashing down on you. 
So I started walking the city. I walked until I sweat through my clothes and continued to walk until I could feel the ache in my knees, my back, my feet, and then I'd walk some more. The details don't matter. Everything takes on a malleable shape. The buildings all blur together. Seldom anything catches the eye. The crowded streets become impediments, and averting your gaze, making sure never to make any eye contact, becomes easier with every consecutive block. People left me alone. Maybe I did a good job of looking like I needed to be somewhere. Maybe I just looked the part. Lonesome, disheartened, a person out of options. That afternoon, or really early evening, I couldn't be sure the exact time, but I usually started walking in the morning, deep in Brooklyn, Atlantic Avenue, all the way up over the Manhattan Bridge, because there are less people on it, more room to be left alone, and the view of the city, compromised by the train passing, shaking the entire block, made so much sense to me. You glimpse beauty at the same exact moment you grasp how everything is broken, and it's okay that it all seems impossible. The bridge spits you out near the Bowery, with its garbage smell, and the first time I am tempted to stop and look. Chinatown, not too far from here. It reminds me of a different time, when I first moved to the city, when everything was fresh, new, and the writing came easy. Too bad it was never any good. I hadn't written in months. Everything I put to the page I erased. Every single concept I pursued, like any connection to the outside world, soured the moment I entrusted myself to its ideas. Every attribute, something I wanted not only to commit to memory, but also know deep down to the bottom of my heart. I can't be sure why I stopped to check out the grand opening, an authentic Japanese culinary experience. The restaurant must have hired the right kind of publicist, because the line wrapped around the block. That's probably what it was, the line. I loitered somewhere near the middle, not in the line itself, but amongst the onlookers standing on the opposite side of the barricade. All around me I heard gossip, the murmurs, the hype. Apparently it was a much-anticipated event, the place founded by a master sushi chef from Tokyo. The chef had carved out his own falling back home and had set his sights worldwide. That meant the sound of a future chain, a corporate brand being built to utilize mass hysteria and revenue. That also meant it caught the interest of people like me, who had no interest in the culinary arts, much less the ability to cook. I listened to the applause from the front of the line. Something was happening. The crowd passed me over and soon I was at the end of the block, street corner staring nowhere in particular. I heard voices, or rather one, a man with a deep yet raspy tenor, the accent undeniable, but what careened over every chordal was the manner with which he spoke of, well, anything. The sincerity of each sentence caught me off guard. He spoke as though there were never a doubt what he said could be wrong could be defeated and compromised by the opinions of others. I don't know why I did what I did. It wasn't like me to, without hesitation, strike up a conversation with a stranger. He wasn't the founder of the restaurant, nor was he a man of passion. Rather, he was like me, caught in the orbit of others. The difference is when someone looked through him, negating his very being, he looked right back and made sure to leave an impression, one you wouldn't soon forget. I told him I was a director, and then a writer, and finally a journalist. He asked me which one paid, quote-unquote, the rent, and because none of it did, I opted for director. A director sounded far more prestigious, and in Celluloid, there was still the idea that money could exist in the scenes and worlds projected onto the silver screen. I mean, it costs like $18 to go to a movie these days. Writing an article or essay for a lot of sites paid $100, often even less. Writing a book? Yeah, well, that's part of the problem. I don't know where to begin. I have enough false starts to fill a dozen books, but none that could really give me a paragraph worth keeping. I had to tell him something. Jira wasn't the sort of person that would just talk to anyone. He asked me, what are you doing here? It was as if he already knew me, 
When I told him the truth, I'm just passing through. He didn't find my answer to be acceptable. I had never been so intensely judged and yet at the same time compelled to continue being judged. What do you do? Not, who are you? He never asked me for my name. Rather, it was, what do you do? What are you really worth? And for that matter, are you worth my time? So I told him I was a director. A tilt of his chin, the clenching of his jaw, and the interrogation. Are you trying to remember things? Or are you hoping to be remembered? I want to be remembered, I said. Jiro fixed a stare. Nervous? I turned away and assessed the line. What do you direct, he asked. He judged me once, twice, never stopped judging my every word. In some sense, we are at the whim of another person's opinion. We cannot stop them from drawing conclusions from the information at their disposal. I didn't really launch into this with the best of intentions. I started a conversation by interrupting one that was already in progress. Now I was doubting the very thing that attracted me to the conversation in the first place. I had doubted Jiro's own opinion. I dragged from nowhere the first thing that came to mind. I write and direct documentaries. Jiro offered nothing, the same expressionless glare. Primarily, anyway, I added. You document because you cannot design from a dream? I frowned. Um, excuse me? What do you mean by that? To produce something from thin air is far more difficult than conceiving of something that has already provided a narrative. I might not know why so much of my life had fallen into disrepair, but I do know this feeling, the one I had upon my would-be work being doubted. It was a fire from deep within, registering first as anger, and then a second later as veritable defense. I defended myself and spoke of writing and documentaries as a novel means for exploring a compelling story. I said, because any story worth telling is one that has, at its very core, a deep sadness. I told him I was a director of documentaries, and then I was good at what I did. I told him I could find in any narrative the conflict necessary to make it compelling. And then I saw, forming across his face, the intrigue that wouldn't leave until much later when he would discover I was an imposter. I'll tell your story, I said. Jiro looked at me, not through me, and then said, not here, not now. This is how I first met Jiro. I would meet him again, plain as day, months later. And a year from now, after finishing this book, in these pages, I would meet Jiro, long after we'd grown apart. Thanks a lot, Michael. That was the reading from the new book, Dreams of Being, by Michael J. Seidlinger. You can go order it at maudlinhouse.net. Here's what people I know and trust have to say about the book. Bud, Bud Smith. Bud Smith. You might know Bud Smith. Bud Smith says, Dreams of Being is a taut journey into the fantasy of perfection, a novel with powerful pulse about a person seeking out a hero, hoping to understand themselves. Michael Seidlinger writes beautifully with purpose, with skill. Scott McClanahan says, I never trust people who use a middle initial, but Michael J. Seidlinger is different. When I read his writing, I'm on my back. I'm having my behavior corrected. It's teaching me a lesson, and I can see stars. So those are very nice things about, uh, about the book from uh, Bud Smith and Scott McClanahan. So, um, yeah, get the book, Dreams of Being by Michael J. Seidlinger from maudlinhouse.net. Uh, if you want to do a reading like this on the Talking Book Podcast, um, help push your new book or some new writing, hit us up at submit at talkingbook.pub. That's talkingbook.pub. 
Also, please be sure to check out our recent audiobooks like Essays and Fictions by Brad Phillips from Tyrant Books, The Ice Cream Man and Other Stories by Sam Pink from Soft Skull Press, uh, and The Diaries of Anais Nin. Uh, they're all amazing recordings. Get them. Listen to them. Know that you're not alone during all of this. Uh, the narrators are here and the writers are here and even I'm here making you hamburgers. Other than that, love you and thanks for listening. I'm Chris Hartram. Take care. Like a bishop who has forsaken sympathy Chasing sister squares I was lit Before I knew that you were there Like an angel Who has forsaken certainty Sleeping in the square I was lit Before I knew The storm was passing over And the window